You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. Sometimes our practice is very much like turning off the air conditioning. You don't really hear it while it's on, and then when it's off, it's there's this expansion into something new, but also something familiar. But even that's temporary. As long as we can conceive it, it's temporary. So, basically what I really want to focus on is death. Ours and others. And instead of this being the most tragic, uh, elementally petrifying thing imaginable, our relationship with it makes it so. Our relationship with death is what makes it fearful, a fearful experience for us or it makes it makes it a freeing experience for us we can't hang on to anything it doesn't mean we can't participate in what we do have in the present moment in fact we surely should not participating in what we have been given in this present moment is just as much an attachment as clinging it's clinging to what is not by not participating, there's aversion, okay, which is an attachment. By participating with an inappropriately fueled gusto, we are in attachment as well, We're grasping, going after. This middle space, though, the razor's edge of participation the middle way between the big self or that which is truly expansive and surrendered and the small self or that which is contracted and constantly gripping and seeking to grip. The space in between is infinitely creative. It's infinitely creative. It can use form and emptiness and how it can use form and emptiness through itself in the experience that we call me or you. Miraculously, what's in that middle space is just conscious awareness. It's awakened space meaning that all things are temporary. All things are born in time and die. Every thought that you have, every material object you have, 
every feeling that you have and relationships to them will ultimately end. Our relationships with our loved ones will eventually end. Our relationships to our own personalities will eventually end. Our relationships to all the physical things that we have, the material objects that we have, will eventually end. Every one of those relationships changes radically at some point. And ultimately that change is a death. Just like we change when we exhale. Just like we die to our old self whenever we fall in love. We're never the same after that. We're never the same after tragedy. And we're never the same after glory. We're never the same in each individual moment that we carve up. Just like a river is never the same if you step in it twice. The entire river has changed. So have we. In other words, we have died to what was before. And what's in the future has not been born yet. So the disease is we attach to what can't even really be held on to in the past. And we also attach to what hasn't happened yet. But this space, this back and forth motion is an attempt to create permanence out of that which is positively impermanent. This is always what gets us in trouble. So what we try to do is cultivate a practice that allows us to see things as they are that allows for a certain wisdom to come from that seeing. We start looking at other people and recognizing a deep familiarity, a resonant familiarity with all other people. And paradoxically, we look in the mirror and have no idea what we're looking at anymore. These things fused together create an awakened mind and an awakened heart. And in that awakening, as it settles and stabilizes, we can recognize both the individuated and the expansive all at once. As this happens, we engender and build upon a beginner's mind. A beginner's mind is a mind that isn't collapsed on itself. It's not sure of everything. Instead of recognizing exactly how to compartmentalize and categorize everything that arises, it's open to not knowing. That not knowing is our through line to the big self. The knowing, the being absolutely positively sure, that's our small self. 
always gets us into trouble. The small self is a thing. The big self, as long as we give it a name, is a thing. Yet when the big self is recognized, it's recognized as being positively without substance. It's without thingness. It's the thingness of all things. The small self is not separate, in other words, from the big self. The small self is a reflection. It's a facet on the gem that shines that we call the big self. This beginner's mind is an open one. Walking into a room is a surprise from this place. Every bit of food that we taste is a surprise and filled with a divine wonder. Familiarity becomes something that doesn't hold us like it used to. In other words, we're okay being unfamiliar. We start to recognize that being okay with that lack of familiarity, with that lack of surety, gives us a fearlessness. We walk in the world differently with that fearlessness because it embraces all. Fear can only occur if there's a self in here and there's other stuff out there. Without that, as, a meditative, as the meditative practice kind of starts to shake that loose, we start recognizing that there is no out there and in here. There is only awareness that takes different forms. The only difference, and physics is bearing this out, the only difference between you and any other thing is organization and energy, period. That's it. Yet somehow we build up these stories that keep us from living in that space. It's too disorienting. And so the way we deal with disorientation is we reify, bolster, and feed ego so that it can pull us back in here and then help us recognize that there everything else out there, that there is everything else out there that will constantly threaten us. So a beginner's mind, rather than being filled with naivete, is overflowing with wisdom. It's overflowing with this surrendered nurturance of all things. It recognizes that everything is temporary. Yet from that recognition, there is participation. And that participation is compassion. It is love. A radical expression of love that has absolutely no ego involved with it at all. To kind of bring this back around awkwardly, fear, then, is a resistance within us to face the temporary nature of all things, to face the fact that change is the only reality that there is. 
can we face it? Can we face our death and others' death with tenderness, with this unattached love? Can we go through a grieving process in an unattached way that's fearless? Can there be, at that moment, an allowance for this flame that burns and it burns with the very simple phrase it's all going to be okay it's all going to be okay can we allow that fire to be lit if we can we stop the war There's no more fear around the loss of a livelihood. There's no more fear around the loss of companionship or a loved one. There's no more fear about the loss of reputation. There's no more fear about the loss of mind. It's given away. It's given away. Can you let your personality die? Just like it does every single night when you go into dreamless sleep. There's no more personality there. You're still there. Your body's still there. Spirit and witness are still totally present. But everything else has gone away. We practice, in other words, death every single night. If we're not dreaming and we're asleep, we've let go totally. Can we bring that orientation into what it is that we do? Stuff changes when that happens. Probably most remarkable uh, in this spaciousness that we begin to inhabit as our psychological and spiritual uh, orientation starts to become much more expansive is the deep singularity begins to infuse who and what we are. It begins to break open our hearts and our minds in such a way that everything becomes a gift. Every day is like Christmas when you're nine years old. Every moment is that kind of thrill. And that's infectious. And we don't do it for ourselves. We do it for everyone. Because we recognize we are everyone. And everyone is us. We are the world. The world is us. The reflection on the, in the mirror. The reflection in the mirror is now just a reflection in the mirror. It's not the whole story. And the whole story keeps getting written in more and more beautiful and more and more troubling ways. All we have to do is meet it with our full attention and then do it again. If, we're, um, if everything dies and you give it away as an offering, what about grieving? Give that away too. 
doesn't mean don't experience it. Experience it fully. That is the offering. And that takes time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, di- it's a through line. It's a direct line into the heart of awakening if it's done with the practice, though, of witnessing it fully, accepting it for exactly as it is. And there's freedom from it. It may hurt like hell. It may really suck. But there's freedom from its claws. It's just intensity manifesting as grief. So what do we do? Meet it. With an absolutely open heart. And uh, watch what happens. Something I've always struggled with is uh, fearlessness. And um, I feel like there's a very fine line between being truly fearless and convincing yourself that you don't care or just not caring. And so I'm wondering, not necessarily how you know you're being fearless, because I don't feel like you can really know, but like where... um, where is your fearlessness originating from, I guess? Loss. Fear always originates from loss. That you feel like something is going to be taken from you that you have, that you possess. And what this teaching points out is that you don't possess Jack. So if we recognize that we don't possess Jack, fear becomes a rather trivial and useless uh, cognitive tool. Okay? Mm. In some ways. It's not a good idea to be so caught in the deep singularity that um, deciding to go play freeway tag becomes your you know, your your fun for a Saturday evening, you know. Uh, Yet, I mean, what is it that you really fear? Do you fear your loss of mind, your loss of reputation, the loss of your physical body? Do you fear, I mean, it's, it's, it's loss because we think in a deluded way that we ha- somehow have something. But then what's the difference between fear- fearlessness and just thinking to yourself, I don't care what those people think? One is avoidance and one is going after. So we all know people who will go after their, uh, you know, they'll throw themselves into a high-risk situation and it feels invigorating and, you know, all those things. I don't know if I'm going in the direction that your question is pointing to, but essentially what happens in those moments of thrill is we enter into the space of no mind. We enter into that space of total expanse where we are not dwelling on anything from the past or anything from the future. You can't mm-hmm. when you're scaling El Capitan. Well, I'm guess, I guess I'm even thinking of something more simple like dancing mm-hmm. and, and worrying about people judging you when you're dancing right and and so like being fearless when you're dancing or just not caring that people might think that you're dancing weird yeah 
So where's what's the difference between not caring what they think? Yeah. And being fearless about going up there and dancing? Mm -hmm. Nothing. What are you afraid of? You're afraid of, a, in this case, a loss of reputation that people might think, okay, there he goes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Boy, I'd hate to be his partner. Yeah. These, are th these are the stories we have going on in our mind, right? Right. Yet, if you've ever watched somebody who has absolutely no sense of rhythm or physical coordination, <laughs> but they are moving with total abandon in this pure, radiant ecstasy, it is absolutely impossible to take your eyes off of them and it is impossible not to feel warmth in your heart. Mm. Why? Why? Because they are reflecting that which is pure in us. They become a, a mirror. They hold up a mirror to what is beautiful within us. So my recommendation, and my wife will attest to this, uh, <laughs> go get out there and shake it <laughs> and then see what happens. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So you were saying that the one thing that is constant is change. How do you... I hate change. Mm -hmm. How do you come to terms with that? Unless it's good change. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, and I think that's, that, that is the human condition. You know, or we we tip, you know people who are the opposite. They've got to have change, or else they go nuts, mm -hmm. right? Um, we hate. I'm going to use your words here. We hate change because we hate being reminded of the chaos of infinity. That's at the core. Okay. So what we like to do is manage and control not only ourselves but everybody else, every other situation. And that somehow gives us a sense of security, gives us that familiarity kind of that I was talking about. But the universe has this amazing way of reminding us that that familiarity will always be temporary and that change is the only thing there is. So it's not that you need to get over your fear of change. It's, it's that your relationship with change automatically shifts the moment you recognize it as a friend. It's what you are made of. You are made of change. You are not the same precious angel you were in eighth grade. Yet you are, right? There's been a change. Thank goodness. You know, it's, it's all change. You are nothing but change. Every single day is change. So this practice essentially eases us into, I mean, it's a gentle exercise, really, eases us into a degree of comfort and, oh, well, there's going to be change. There's going to be change. There's going to be change. And pretty soon, that familiarity with the change cloaks you. Just like a warm blanket on a freezing cold night. You just recognize it's there. And then you, let, you begin to let go. Hating change is the grip. Okay? 
be thankful it's there. Be thankful it's there because looking at it, now you've taken a step back from it. Now you can witness every single time you have that resistance to change. You just want to go box or something, you know, that every time that happens now, watch it. Just watch it and be patient. Be patient. If you've ever felt love so profoundly that you think you might die, you can't breathe, that is surrender to change. Okay? That's at our core. Everything else is the stuff we throw on top of that to keep it down. So that, that's, that's really scary because what that is is egolessness. That is no self. That is no mind embodying itself in our experience. And what ego does is it freaks it out so much that it kind of jumps in and starts to label it, call it, quantify it, you know, because that's the radical change, changing into what you always have been, taking all of the resistance out of the mix and being the surrender. Be friends with that and watch what happens. Just like getting out on the dance floor with reckless abandon. Anybody have any music? <laughs> <laughs>